Good morning, church. Good morning, good morning. It's lovely to be here together. Uh, it's lovely to have a family lunch planned. Last one we had was wonderful. We really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm looking forward to the same today. And as Matt said, it was sunny. I was thinking, I personally would not like some of that European heat because, you know, fair skin. I'd be like maybe a, a fraction, you know, like six degrees would be nice. But for me, not, not more than that. Um, and if you don't know me, my name's Tim. Uh, if you're here for the first time, it's great to be to have you with us. Stay for our lunch. Stay for our lunch. Um, spend time with us. I want to speak into the elephant in the room. Okay. We have a family meeting uh, later on uh, today where we're going to be just expressing and having opportunity to share uh, things with one another about the season that we're going into. Now, as a church, um, if you are signed up to our mailing list and you hopefully if you call this place home, hopefully you will receive this week some news through your letterbox or through your virtual letterbox. And apologies if you haven't received that, but I just want to face into that for us as we, as we just saw, because it's going to link into what we're talking about here. But as a leadership team, we're going to be looking at and employing a new full-time lead elder from uh, for this new season in the life of the church. Now, I know that as we receive this news, many of us will receive it in different ways. Many of us will face into it in different ways. And I just wanted just to say that it's, you know, different emotions and different thoughts and different questions that stir up. It's okay. Okay, it's okay to allow that to happen for you. Because it's a, it's a change process. We all face change in different ways. And so I want just to firstly affirm that it's unavoidable for us to receive this, this change news and for it to stir up different things within us. And so I want to encourage you not to, to shy away from whatever those feelings are that are coming up for you. And secondly, I want just to affirm a couple of different places that you might find yourself in, maybe a camp that you kind of feel like you find yourself in. For some you might feel a stirring of a lot of practical questions. The what's, the how's, the when's, the, the who's, the, you know, all those sorts of things that might stir up in you. Well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about how that might work out, etc. A desire to solve the practical needs in some of the life of the church. And I just want to affirm that if you have a stirring of those practical things, that doesn't mean that there's a lack of faith that you have in terms of what God can do. It just be that actually sometimes how we respond, that's the instant reaction that we have in terms of to link into the, the practicalities. So that's okay. Okay, so if you find you're feeling away that, that's okay. And secondly, you might find yourself feeling full of faith. You know, as, as Celine brought that tongue and then Nicola brought um, uh, a word around, well, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. I'm going to trust in Jesus that he's the way. He's going to open a path. He's going to make a way as well. And that's also okay. I want just to affirm that, you know, um, having faith is not an optimism bias. Okay, optimism bias is where we just vaguely hope for good things just because, you know, when we put our security in our faith, that is not just an optimism bias because we're putting our faith in, in God. So I want to affirm that if you're someone who has that, it doesn't mean for the, the practical people that they don't think of the practical stuff. Okay, or think, well, how's that going to work out? Then just, you know, not thinking about those things. Because I want to just say that both um, responses really will help us as a church. Okay, so we working together. So if you're full of um, practical questions, 
what you help do is try to remove uncertainty. Because you'll be like, well, what about this? Have you thought about this? We go, oh, that's a good point. And we go, okay, well, how do we work through with uncertainty there and try and remove some of that? But you need to be careful because I just want, you know, all this stuff is for free, okay? Just as, uh, as we're going through this service, this process. But if you're a practical person, you might get frustrated because we can't dot the I's or cross the T's. And we don't have all the things lined up as you would hope uh, or suitable answers of where we are now versus where we might want to be versus what's going to happen. So I just wanted to give you a heads up that to sense check for yourself that you might find yourself a bit frustrated because of we don't know. Okay? I'm going to leave that hanging. And, yeah, sorry about that. And secondly, if you're feeling like full of faith, well, God's going to provide a way, you're going to be really helpful because actually you're going to be stirring faith and encouraging us. And it's going actually, how do we, reminding us that God is faithful, reminding us that God will answer his promises. Um, and I just want you to be aware that your timing and God's timing might be different and they might not align. It doesn't mean that he's got a lack of faithfulness to us. doesn't mean that he's not been kind to us. But I just want you to be aware that that's some area where you might struggle with Okay, but this morning, I just wanted to lean into that. We're going to be talking or just giving opportunity to share later at the family meeting for, for the room to share, for the church to share with one another. But I just wanted to lean into it just to address it So, uh, as we start this message off. Because I'm, in a way, what I'm going to be talking about this morning is going to be talking into this from, from the, the, a story in the Bible. But also, it's going to be really relevant for us anyway. Okay, so it's going to have a, an element of both. But we're starting a new series called Mountain Movers. Uh, Jesus encouraged the disciples that with small faith, they could see miraculous wonders happen, that they could see incredible things. That even, as Jesus said, like such as casting mountains into the sea. But this faith isn't something that we drum up, isn't something that's self-manufactured. It's about the faith in the one who can move the mountains. Okay, It's about putting faith in the one who can move the mountains, calling on his name, to do marvelous things in our daily lives, okay? And so this series, we're going to be looking at a collection of stories. It's going to go from today, um, just before the, the Commission Festival weekend. We're going to look at um, six or so stories of you know, mountain movers in the life of the, the history of the church. I'm talking about Moses in the Red Sea today. Then we're going to be looking at maybe Daniel next week, or in the book of Daniel, about Daniel's friends. And then Joshua and the story of Jericho and Jonah, you know, and then two more will follow after that. But we're going to be looking at a collection of stories about how God came and moved powerfully. And if not for God, there would be tragedy for God's people. Oh, but God moments. And this is the same God that is at work in our days today. He's at work in our lives today. He cares about what you care about. He cares about what you worry about. He cares about your family, he cares about what's going on at work, what's going on at home. He is a God who cares for us. We need to know that. So anyway, we're going to look at the story of the Israelites' exodus out of Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea. As I said, this is a series that we're going to be looking at in terms of how we move forward in this new season, but hopefully it's relevant for our everyday lives as well. I just want to pray for us. Father, we just come before you now. Lord, we're just putting our trust solely in you. Lord, we love you. We want to worship you. And we want to adore you. And Lord, we just ask for your help, for your guidance, for your 
love to come through in our lives. Lord, help us to receive this from you. Lord, help us to receive this in our daily lives. Help us to receive this uh, as a hope for a future in where you're leading us. Amen. I think what would be great is like the, if we were to put on like a trailer of the Prince of Egypt. You know, what a, what a film. You know, if, if you haven't seen the Prince of Egypt, watch it. talks about, or it's, it's quite a, an accurate, I think it sort of says at the end, it's like in terms of the partnered with um, scholars to try and tr- make a quite an accurate reflection of the, the story of, of Moses and, you know, coming to support the Israelites. And so in terms of just this story, just for some background, so the Israelites have been enslaved for hundreds of years, okay, in Egypt, you know, bouncing between different popular culture. We've got Joseph in his technicolor dream coat, and between Joseph in his technicolor dream coat and the, uh, um, and the prince of Egypt, they've been enslaved for hundreds of years in Egypt. The Egyptians had treated them harshly, put them to hard labor. Uh, they were oppressive. They had like these slave masters over them. And the people were calling out to God, God, will you rescue us? Will you save us? Will you bring us deliverance from where we find ourselves in? And then enter Moses, God's appointed leader who sent to them. And then through God's miraculous wonders and and the story of the plagues, eventually the Egyptians release release the uh, Israelites to go. And as they're leaving, they receive a favor it says that they get whatever they, you know, in a sense, whatever they want, they get to take and they get to, to wander off with from the Egyptians. They describe it as being, they plundered the Egyptians because of the favor they had to say, let's take or give us, you know, whatever we were asking for. And so they're setting off into the desert. This is where we're going to, in a sense, pick up the story. They are 600,000 men, uh, plus women, plus children, possibly 1.1, 1.2 million people that are almost the population of Surrey in some way, all descending out of Egypt and into the desert place. And we're going to read from Exodus 13, 17, all the way through chapter 14, because I think it's really helpful for us. It's really relevant um, for this. But it is long. Okay, that's my caveat. So I might just take a moment or two just between these, just to stop, let it sink in. We'll go again. Like a Bible interval training, okay? That's what we'll, we'll be doing. I think the words will come up on the screen behind me, but if you've got your Bibles, Exodus 13, verse 17, where we're starting. Okay. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He said, he had said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day or nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near 
Pi Hathoroth, between Migdol and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Hathroth, opposite Baal-Zephon. Let's just take a moment. I'm not going to add any more. Just, just let that sink in. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. The angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other, so neither went near the other all night long. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. 
He jammed the wheels of their chariots so they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had, flowed, that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. We're going to look at a, a Red Sea traffic light system, okay? Red, amber, green. We're going to look at red for fear. We're going to look at amber for uncertainty and green for deliverance. Okay, red, amber, green. This is where we're going. So we're going to look at red for fear. I want you to, to picture this. So you're an Israelite. And sometimes I don't know how you picture things. If you want best just, just to, to let me speak these words and for you just to, to sit back and imagine or have your eyes shut or open, whatever you want. And I want to... And for some of you, this won't be difficult to picture because maybe you've encountered some of these things in your own lives. And that's really terrible. That's really sad. I'm really sorry this happened to you. But you're an Israelite. In all your lifetime, you never thought that you would see this moment, let alone that you would live this moment. All your life and during the lives of your parents and your grandparents and their parents before them, you have all been in the service of a cruel an oppressive regime. You experience racism on a regular occurrence. You know what it's like to go hungry, to wake up in pain daily, to have the threat of execution or punishment hanging over you wherever you go. You aren't free to come and go as you like. You can't wander the streets at night on your own. You fear for the safety of your children. You worry about the life that they will have. Who will care for them if you are made an example of for no reason? Anyone who tries to flee is caught and imprisoned or publicly executed. And now, you are free. There's a staff in your hand, there's a bag on your back, there's family alongside you. With all your belongings and what you've received from the Egyptians and you follow this leader who is taking you to a better land where you can prosper. And you've been following this cloud around during the day and following this sky fire at night and you don't know where you are because you've never left Egypt before. And you've stopped at a few different places but now you've come to a stop on the shore of the Red Sea. And there's this hum in the distance and the ground starts to vibrate slightly underfoot. And there's a commotion going on. There's this emotional cold snap that descends across the people. Agitation has started. What's going on? And you can see a big dust cloud in the horizon coming towards you. And then there's this buzz going from group to group. The Egyptians have come. The Egyptians have come. And they've come in their thousands. And they've come with chariots. 
and they've come with horses and there are soldiers, they've come for us. And your worst fears immediately return like they had never gone. The unconscious anxiety that you didn't realize you were carrying is back heavier than it had ever been before. You are terrified. What will happen next? The Israelites' fears manifest before them. There's this return to slavery that sits in front of them. There's this um, death that sits before them. You know, what's going to happen next? Oppression and death, and that's all they can see, and that's all they can focus on. Because they are terrified. So church, our fears can cripple us to a standstill. Okay, our fears can cripple us to a standstill, to a terrified stop. And by the way, fear is, is a natural emotion. It's part of you know, our, our response to how we perceive situations, how we perceive threats. You know, the whole flight, fight or um, freeze. Freeze, yes, exactly. Fight, flight or freeze is part of our natural response that comes with fear. But if we give in to our fears, we can lose sight of God lose sight of Jesus and we see this with the disciples right when they're in they're in the boat on the uh, the sea of Galilee and there's this storm that comes up around them and they turn to Jesus and say Jesus don't you care if we drown it's the same sort of thing don't you care if we drown what fears are you facing right now because there is value in naming our fears. I've been facing this, you know, in terms of this situation over the last few months. I've been facing my fears over the last while. Uh, for, for us personally, for the church, you know, what if no one comes quickly? What if I'm letting everyone down? What about fam? My what about the families? What about my family? What about the money or the finances? You know, what about you? What fears do you carry? Just in terms of just on a daily basis the where our fears become real where the waves seem like they're raging high where that's all we can focus on the, the the enemies all around us and to the disciples and to us these fears can become bigger they can become stronger they can become more powerful but that's not the case that's not the case our god jesus commands the storms to be quiet he commands them to be still. And so naming our fears can help us to rename God's characteristics over them, to rename who he is over our fears. So what if no one comes quickly? Well, God's still faithful. You know, what if I'm letting everyone down? Well, God's love never fails any of us. What about families? God cares for families. What about our, my family? Well, God cares for my family. What about money, the finances? Well, God is the great provider. And we have our fears and we name them, we overlay them with God's characteristics of who he is. And as we did earlier, we go, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, louder and louder. I'm going to hear our praises roar. We roar. Church, we roar over these. We name them. We roar over them. And we declare that God is bigger than the storms. And he commands them to be still. I found that worship and reading the Bible 
and reminding myself of the goodness of who he is helps to settle the waves in my heart. It doesn't mean that the boat does not get rocky because it comes up again, it comes up again. But you go, God, you are bigger than these waves and you can cause them to be still. And the power that he's placed in us as believers is that we have that same, say, God, through your Holy Spirit working in me, I command this wave to be still. I command this storm to be still. There's a difference between, between being a slave to fear versus being fear aware. We want to be a people who are fear aware and then put our trust in a God who can silence those fears and still those waters than being slaves to those fears. Being the ones that respond into it. Oh, it's, it's all gone. It's all gone down. No, no, God is still faithful and he's still in control. So that's our one. That's our red light, fear. Next, our amber, uncertainty. I don't know when you, but when you get to an amber light or you see an amber light, I get filled with a little bit of uncertainty. I'm like, should I try to get through that amber light? Should I stop? Is there enough time around? Is there, you know, what's happening going on? Is there traffic? Would I be able to maybe sneak through it? You know, the clash, should I stay? Should I go? You know, what should we do? Some people wait until it's green to go, and that's my encouragement for us as a church. We're going to wait until it's green to go. When there's an amber light of uncertainty, we're not going to be a church that moves or is going to be unsettled by uncertainty. That's my encouragement to us. The Israelites faced uncertainty when they left Egypt. In the, in the I guess it's in the book, but in the film particularly, uh, of The Lord of the Rings, the first one, probably my only real, a couple of popular culture references, he's the only one I've written down properly, but there's this moment in the fellowship where they're at this place called Rivendell. They've all, other of the eight of them said, we're behind you, Frodo. We're behind you. And, and Frodo's like, great. They're like, let's go. Everyone goes and they, they're about to leave. And Frodo turns to Gandalf and he says, I don't know which way, which way's Mordor. You know, I don't know where we're meant to be going. And Gandalf's like, gives that little whisper. It's like, it's left or it's right, whichever one it was. The Israelites for hundreds of years have been in slavery in, in Egypt. I don't think they had an annual leave package. I don't think they had weekends off. I don't think they were able to just to explore the, you know, the local hotspots, the local spa areas, the, you know, the <laughs> oasises on, on the outskirts of Egypt. I don't think they were allowed to do that. So God provides for them in a sense of here's a cloud during the day and here's a fire by night. He guides them where they're meant to go because they don't have a map and they don't know what they're doing. But they're saying, we're following. We're following this direction. We're following this calling that you're giving over us. God, we, we don't know where we're going, but we're going to trust that God's going to guide us through this. But when fear and uncertainty takes over, it can lead to panic stations. Okay? The same thing about what we were talking about just before. But did you catch what the people said to Moses in verse 11? They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have brought us to the desert to die. What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. What a ridiculous thing they were saying. In amongst, because of this fear, this uncertainty, come out of really weird stuff. You know, and I... Maybe it's being unkind to them, but it's faced with possibly the idea of that fear of it's death or, or Egypt, you know. And obviously for them, 
I guess that's the feeling of the decision that they, they have, the rock and the hard place that they're in. But what do you say to that? Because that's not true at all. The uncertainty can blind us and come bring about this rose-tinted view of what Egypt was like. They were crying out to God, say, save us from all this oppression, save us from this, um, this way of slavery that we're under. And now, like half an hour later, they're like, oh, well, actually, it was lovely. Do you know, we, had a, we didn't have a weekend package, didn't have annual leave, but they're very, they only made us do 10 bricks a day. I mean, that's, that's very reasonable to expect of a, of a workforce. It's a ridiculous thing. They've been praying and calling out, and yet they think they'd be better to be enslaved than what God has in store for them. Why have you led us to our deaths? Where are we going to go from here? There are no options. That's the problem. They are on the edge of this Red Sea. They're hemmed in by the desert. There's nowhere for them to go, and the Egyptians are on their doorstep. And how does Moses respond how do you respond to panic stations and these ridiculous suggestions? He says, do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord brings will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. It's hard to choose to be still in the storm. I guess that's probably quite a challenge. And to wait it tests your view of God. It tests our view of who he is and to wait to see his deliverance and not to push into a situation or try to fill a gap that God is saying, I want you to keep that open. I don't want you to try and fill a space that I haven't called you to fill. You know, And in our uncertainty, we can be trying to be make things happen because we just want a level of certainty when actually the Lord is saying, be still. Wait and do not be afraid. Church, as an eldership and a trustee team, we've not been down this path before. Okay? We've not been down this path before. And perhaps some of us from different walks of, or in terms of our walk of faith in different contexts, have seen leadership change, have seen a journey of that. But here we've not seen that for many, many years. Okay? And there's an uncertainty that we're carrying as a team that we're looking at, kind of that same thing of Frodo, that same thing of the Egyptians being like, oh, the Israelites, we've not been down this path. Lord, we're looking for you to be like the little markers, be like, go this way, then do a left, then do a right, then somehow turn back and loop back around again and you end up somewhere maybe close to where we were at the beginning. But we've never been on this path before as a team. So there's an uncertainty that we're carrying, but we feel God is calling us to be still, and to wait, and to wait for him to open up a path forward. So with our amber light, we must choose to tolerate the discomfort of uncertainty. Tolerate means we put up with it. Okay, We're facing uncertainty either way, but we can choose to tolerate it, the discomfort of it, how it makes us feel. Okay, Because we don't have all the answers, we don't know what's... Uh, going to happen in some different context. But we're in faith that God is going to open up a path, that God's got a plan for us, that he loves us. Matt was showing us earlier, he loves us as a church. He's been faithful to us, and we're going to come on to this in a moment. But whilst we tolerate this comfort, we put our comfort in the certainty of who he is, and the certainty of 
but that he's in control, that he's aware of all things. There are no surprises. There are no shocks to him. And, and for these Israelites, he, he told them to come back to this point on the edge of the shore, uh, Pi Hathroth, opposite Zal Balam, I think it was, and wait there. And the Egyptians turn up at the exact same spot because they do have a map. They do know what's going on. And 1.2 million people in the desert is probably not too hard to find if they're just slightly outside of, of Egypt. But we can wait and trust in him. Okay. And this last one is green light for deliverance. God's deliverance came for these people. His faithfulness, his commitment to them, his desire to fight for them. Do you know, while they were crying out all the way over here, Imagine this is our Egypt. They're crying out, Lord, will you save us? Will you redeem us? Will you send someone? Will you bring us something? They don't know whilst their backs are toiling, and the hard work and the sweat on their brow and the feelings of oppression that they've got, that over here, Moses is looking after flocks. He is just, um, it's gone to Midian, I think it is, and he is just looking after some flocks as the, you know, as um the prince of Egypt would declare one wanders off like the lost sheep and he goes to find it in a, in a cavern somewhere. But whilst they're all the way over there on the other side of this room in Egypt suffering and feeling, Lord, will you send someone? God is stirring up a heart over here to go, to go to the people. And that's what we see. Moses comes to God, anoints him, and Moses comes to them and then he encourages them with a sense of like God is hearing you. God is for you. God wants you to know these things. And, and then they see this miraculous wonders performed. And by the way, I guess in terms of just another thing about expectations versus reality, Moses came, but he didn't speak to the people. You know, he got his brother to do a lot of the talking for him. He was the one who was interceding and hearing from God. So our expectations versus reality, when God's stirring up someone to send someone to us, we might think, oh, this is my ideal of what leadership looks like. It might not be like that. But there might be a heart that's being responded to to say, but I'm for you, and I'm hearing God, and I'm, and I'm here to see us through, to see the help with this season. So here's just some of the things that they were, that they were experiencing of God's faithfulness to them. So one... Moses comes, a son of the people come to encourage them that God sent to him, that God sent him. And then there's these miraculous signs and wonders that are performed with the showing of the plagues that come to get the attention of the Egyptians, say, let my people go, let my people go. And after he lets them go, he's spoken about it, but there's this pillar of cloud and there's this pillar of fire that shows them where to go. And then when the Egyptians are on their doorstep and out for blood, he protects them throughout the night. The angel of God that's gone before them and gone ahead of them and this pillar of cloud that sits in front of them moves from the front all the way to the back. And so the armies of Egypt and the armies of the Israelites never interact with each other because God's put a buffer there. And he protects them with this buffer. He keeps them um, so they don't interact all the way throughout the night. And then he instructs Moses to place his hand out over the sea and overnight it separates. The Lord opens up a pathway for them where there wasn't one before. 
none of the Israelites would have been thinking, do you know what, even in the midst of all this miraculous wonders that are going on, I reckon God's just going to part this sea, actually. I reckon he's just going to shuffle these waters out of the way and we'll just stroll through this way. No one's going to be thinking that. And so the God, Lord made a way where there wasn't one previously. There wasn't even one thought of. You know, he is faithful and true to his promises. And the people of God walked through the sea on dry land. There was a wall of water to their right and a wall of water to their left. As they walked through probably one of their darkest and most fearful valleys, the Lord protected them with his rod and his staff. And his timing was perfect. There's a, a vision of his mercy and his justice that's poured out here. He brought about rescue to the oppressed people, and then he dealt with their fears. He dealt with their oppressors. You know, God is stirring up something here, and um, many of us have reflected that God is doing something, that God is at work, that we're sensing a freedom in the spirit, sensing a freedom of uh, God's hand at work, where we're seeing people, yeah, finding joy in the spirit. We've seen examples of some healing. We've seen people reconnecting to their faith. These are footprints of God at work in our lives. Maybe you've seen this in your own walks um, in, at home or in work or in your neighborhood. So there's fingerprints of God at work here because God is stirring something up. And so whilst there are no obvious paths, there are no obvious solutions and the feeling of no way forward, it's just a Red Sea moment. And I appreciate that's very glib. It's just a Red Sea moment. It's just a Red Sea moment. But if God's been leading us to this point, if we believe that and we hold true to that, then he's not going to just leave us here. He's going to take us next, forward. He's going to move us on from this place. If he's been going ahead before us and he's been leading us to the moment, we can put our trust that he will continue to see this through. And so whilst we might collectively as a church feel like we need to rally round and be like the one saying, God, will you provide a way? Will you provide a way? How do we manage this in the interim time? Uh, do we toil? Do we work hard? What do we need to do, Lord? How do we make this happen? We trust that over here there's some hearts that are being stirred up to say, I've got a heart for Shepparton, this little village somewhere. I've got a heart for it. And then God will open up a pathway for us. So our encouragement is that we're going to wait and trust in him. Where well, we get to walk through the refreshing waters and in a sense leave, uh, leave this position of the past behind and, and start a new chapter, a new season in the life of this church. And then we'll see a time where we'll bury our fears and we will look back and go, wow, wow. How faithful was God during that season? How marvelous was he during that time? And we'll enter a new season of fruitfulness and of provision. My mum brought this this psalm, uh, these verses to us in a psalm to us um, in the prayer meeting beforehand. It's Psalm 112, verses 6 to 9. Is it 9? Nine? 9, yeah. Um, it says this. 
Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn, strength, will be lifted high in honor. What a wonderful encouragement. Let's not be shaken. Let's not be, allow ourselves to drop into our fears. But let's put our faith and our trust in him who is able, who is faithful. Church, God goes before us. And, and this is for us as a church. I know I've spoken a lot about it in the context of us as a church. But this is for our lives as well, okay? God goes before us in our lives. And so these are the last few points just to remind us in terms of our red, amber, green. Let's be fear aware, but not slaves to fear. Okay, let's name them. Let's sing over them. Let's ask the Lord who we trust to calm the storms that surround us, our waves. And let's reach out. A lot of this, you know, in terms of where we are as a season, this is not a taboo thing, okay? You can talk to people about it. You can share with one another about it. As we one another to each other, in terms of love one another, care for one another, carry each other's burdens, we can bring encouragement and we can say, let's pray into that. Let's worship over that together. Let's seek God in this. Let's choose to tolerate the, the discomfort of uncertainty, but by putting our comfort in the certainty of who God is. And then let's wait for his path to open up and then pursue it in faith. Pursue it in faith. And so wherever you are and whatever's going on in your individual lives, these are encouragements that we can take for them. Whatever fears are just generally surrounding you, sing over them. Where there's uncertainty in your own lives, maybe we need to tolerate it and say, hey, I'm going to put my trust and my certainty in who you are, God, and your goodness for me and your love for me. And maybe you're facing a moment in terms of different walks where you're saying, oh God, are you calling me here? Are you calling me there? Sometimes it's good just to wait and trust that he'll open up a path for us. Okay? I just want to pray for us. That's what I brought to, to bring for us. And I think we'll have a one final worship song. While we stand, let's stand before we. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful and true. That what you've called to, uh, called into effect will never not happen. Lord, we thank you that you have a love for us as a church. That you have a care for us as a church. That you care for us individually. Lord, we are trusting in the promise that you are going ahead of us, that you are caring for us. And Lord, right now, uh, church, why don't we just, in your hearts, why don't we just bring some of these fears that we might have, some of these questions that we might have, some of these feelings of uncertainty that we have, just in your minds, in your hearts, just start naming them. Just start naming them. Lord, these are the things you see across this room. These are the things that we are fearful of. These are the things that we are worried about. These are the things that we are uncertain of. 
Lord, we like to know the plan. We like to have all the pieces laid before us. Lord, in our, in our walk of faith with you and in this church, we want those things. But Lord, we know, Lord, that you are, you see all those things. You see the outworking of them. You see where they're going to end up. And Lord, we just want to sing over our fears right now. Lord, we want to sing over our uncertainties. We want to name them and say, Lord, you are greater than these fears. You are above all of them. Lord, there's no shocks there. There's no surprises there. Lord, we ask that you would quiet the storms that are raging around us, around our hearts, around our minds. Lord, and we want to fix our eyes on you. So, Lord, will you remind us when these waves are, are threatening to, to crash over us, Lord, will you remind us of your faithfulness, how you have been faithful in the past, and encourage us in your faithfulness in the future. Lord, we lay these fears before you and say, Lord, you are over them. You are over them. Lord, we trust in you. We give you our lives and we trust in you in this season. Amen.